late summer 2020, so just about two years ago now. And uh, we were meeting with uh, someone who had played college football, was hanging out with uh, some NFL players, friends of ours. And uh, and they told us that they were going to get an allocation into the Series A of this really cool company that was working on video highlight trading cards with the NBA. I don't really think the words NFTs, blockchain, crypto were used. It was just digital trading cards with the N- with the NBA. And uh, obviously, this company ended up being uh, Dapper Labs, and the product was NBA Top Shot. Uh, we tried to get into that round. Uh, we thought we were going to get an allocation in it, and just uh, we got cut out. We didn't. There was no space for us. Uh, we saw the potential there, and that started a real journey for me. This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast, showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports Tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Roan Maholtra. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast. And now... With today's podcast, I'm actually kicking off an exciting month for us. We've dedicated the month of October to a very hot button topic, Web3 and sports, right? We've put this out there a lot across all our content channels that the month of October, we're going to talk about a lot to do with Web3 and sports and across all our channels, the podcast, the newsletter, our blog, all culminating in the first of its kind, Web3 in sports report. Why are we doing this? Well, how can we not, right? As Sports Tech X, our job is to cover the latest trends and not just cover them as news, but actually give you a bit more meat on that bone, really get into the insights, get into the industry perspective, best practices, all of that's good stuff. So our goal is to bring all of that to you in our report. But in the lead up to the report, we're going to bring you a bunch of good content. So stay tuned all, uh, all throughout this month. On today's episode, I've got an investor and also somebody who's basically the first person I reached out to almost when we had this idea, somebody who's been creating a lot of content on this topic, Brian Zwerner. I hope my German accent hasn't butchered that completely from Beyond the Game Network. Good to have you on the show, Brian. Thanks, Ron. Excited to be here and talk about this important topic as Web3 uh, tackles the sports markets. Exactly. And there's so much that we have to cover, Brian. And I've actually, I have to say, um, like I said, I was reached out to you because I've been reading some of the great content that you've been putting out, I think on a weekly basis. So for anybody interested in not just our content, but wants to know more about the space on an ongoing basis, Brian, you want to do a quick shout out to where they can follow you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ron, I, I I was talking with a lot of my buddies from the traditional finance sector, and uh, and what I kept hearing over and over again was that they were seeing too much content coming from huge extremes. It was either everything's a scam in Web three, it's all garbage, it's all fraud, or they were hearing this crazy rah rah uh, cheerleader versions. And I said, well, that's not really the real world that I'm seeing on a day to day basis. So I'm just going to go straight down. 
the middle of the fairway. I'm going to call it like I see it. I'm going to call out the frauds and the crazy stuff when I see it. And I'm going to call out the wonderful things that are happening. And I'm going to go right down the middle of the road with it. So I started something called the Crypto Executive Guide, uh, cryptoexecguide.substack.com. You can find it also on my social media accounts. Just to say, hey, this is what I'm seeing at the tip of the spear with the builders who are creating within the Web3 space and share with, uh, with my friends. It's been a lot of fun. I've been writing it for almost a year now. Um, and uh, post kind of a weekly thought piece on Tuesdays and uh, wrap up the Web3 news in the week on Fridays. Sounds good. So you can find uh, that on Brian's LinkedIn and other social media channels, as he said. We've actually been doing something similar with our own Nifty Sports uh, newsletter, niftysports.co, which has been, I think, also well over a year now. They've got about 65 uh, editions published. So yeah, it's really cool to talk about somebody else who's been talking about this space for such a long time because there's so much going on. But before we dive right into that, Brian, I want to introduce you or give you a chance to introduce yourself rather to a not just you as a content creator now, but your hat that you wear as a investor. So what, tell us about Beyond the Name Game Network and how you, let's say, got on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll rewind a short bit. Spent 20 years in investment banking roles in the U.S. and overseas for a while. Traded in every market that existed, uh, virtually every currency that has a, an active financial markets. Um, moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, where I live now. Been here since 2008. Uh, continued working in the banking space down here for a while. Got the startup bug. Ran a couple startups in the 2010s. Um, the first in the fintech space. And then decided to make the move into the sports space in 2017, ran a, a youth and high school sports tech and media company called Sportal. Uh, that was a ton of fun, but a terrible business model. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, met a whole bunch of NFL players, former American football players that were helping me out with the stuff we were doing in the youth football space. And, uh, and one of them um, had the idea for Beyond the Game. He's actually been a guest on your podcast a few years back, my partner, Andre Fluellen. Uh, Flew played his um, pro ball for the Detroit Lions, retired in 2016 and was working with me in the high school sports space in 2018 at uh, at this um, sports startup that I was running. And um, while that business didn't work for a variety of reasons, um, Andre had the idea to kind of bring together athletes in their retirement and show them all the amazing things happening in the sports tech space. And that is how we launched Beyond the Game Network at the end of uh, 2018, just about four years ago. It's a group of pro athletes, 31 former pros, mostly former NFL players, and some business and tech execs here in Atlanta. And we invest in um, the sports tech space broadly. Been doing this now for the last four years. And while you've been doing this for a while, I think certainly maybe over the last, I don't know, six months, a year, your focus has been more on, let's say, Web3 related topics. Is that fair to say? That is definitely fair. Yeah, we um, broadly invest in D2C companies, direct-to-consumer companies across two big sectors, entertainment and fitness. Uh, entertainment is made up about two-thirds of what we've done of the 20 investments that we've made. Uh, everything from sports to media to gaming and esports to gambling and fantasy and now Web3. That makes up about two-thirds of what we do. We call that kind of entertainment more broadly. Uh, and then fitness and health and wellness is the other big sector. Sector, everything from wearables to coaching apps to fitness devices, uh, that makes up about a third of what we've done. 
of the 20 investments, only two of them ha- were Web3 the day we invested that had some form of tokens or NFTs or DAOs uh, out of the 20. But now, over the course of the last year, nine of them have made their way into Web3, either a little or a lot. Um, and I would guess a few more are going to be coming over the course of the next 12 months. So, yeah, it makes up about half of our portfolio now and at least half of our time. We're seeing so many innovative ways to introduce this technology and to uh, build better products and big, bring sports fans closer to the uh, the teams and leagues that they love. I think that's a key point that you made already, Brian, which is that it doesn't matter what's happened before. It's almost like everybody, irrespective of what products or what sports organizations were doing before, now everybody is either trying to do something or at least incorporate Web3 principles in their existing offerings, whether it's through experimentation or actually making it the focus. So wherever you are on that spectrum, you have to start including it. You have to start talking about it. You have to start experimenting in the space, right? So that's at least the idea, the the core idea that we're that we're seeing being, let's say, being more pervasive. That's in everybody's minds. So let's start at a very high level. I mean, obviously you're bullish. You're bullish about Web three. You've been talking about it. You have active investments in the space, but let maybe why are you so interested in the idea? Like, what is the core? Um, underlying factors that make you think that this is here to stay. It's not just a faddish, um, let's say, technology boom and bust kind of cycle. Yeah, I mean, I'll t- I'll tell a little bit of my uh, my red pill moment into my down the rabbit hole moment into the Web three space. It was uh, late summer 2020, so just about two years ago now, and uh, we were meeting with uh, someone who had played college football, was hanging out with uh, some NFL players, of friends of ours, and uh, and they told us that they were going to get an allocation into the Series A of this really cool company that was working on video highlight training cards with the NBA. Um, and this was, I guess, uh, July of 2020. It was during the NFL training camps. And, uh, and, and I don't really think the words NFTs, blockchain, crypto were used. It was just digital trading cards with the, N- with the NBA. And uh, obviously, this company ended up being uh, Dapper Labs, and the product was NBA Top Shot. Uh, we tried to get into that round. Uh, we thought we were going to get an allocation in it, and just uh, one of the saddest misses of, our, of my, uh, my four-year venture career. We, we got cut out. We didn't, there was no space for us, uh, and Dreesen Horowitz over, oversubscribed the round, and there was no, no room for beyond the game in that one. But uh, we saw the potential there. And then obviously, you know, a few months later, Top Shot goes live, takes over the zeitgeist, becomes a huge sensation. So, you know, really gave an idea into where this could go. That started a real journey for me. Um, my partner, Andre Fluellen, and I at Beyond the Game, we started uh, working with uh, an NFL Hall of Famer on a potential NFT project um, to uh, commemorate his election to the Hall of Fame for the NFL. Um, we started interviewing sports card artists and NFT, the you know early NFT artists. We started interviewing NFT platforms, and it just opened our eyes to this amazing concept of how fans could have true ownership of the things that they really cared about, as opposed to just 
just buying a T-shirt or a trading card. They could own something. That something would be um, immutable and out there forever on the blockchain. Uh, they could trade it. They could uh, display it. And it just got me all into the space in so many different ways. And uh, and as a result, I've just watched every new product that's come out from So Rare, NFL All Day, uh, Candy Digital and Autograph. It's really been uh, an amazing, you know, two-year run in this space, and uh, and I just think there's so much more potential from here. That must have been a big moment to miss out on Dapper Labs, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come, Brian. I mean, the fact that you're watching the space more closely, and there, are, and it's we're only at the beginning. You have to say, you know, it gives confidence that there are many bigger, let's say, whales or unicorns out there. Absolutely. And and look, I think, you know, at the core now that I've spent two years deep down the rabbit hole, um, I'm confident that the that pretty much everything in your life is going to move onto the blockchain over the next decade. It won't just be in sports. It'll be your driver's license, your passport, the deed to your house, your stock certificates, um, all of these things. And look, some of these things might take 10 years. There'll be governmental issues, regulatory issues, or institutional resistance. Uh, but all of these things will go on to the blockchain. They'll leave private servers. They'll move on to blockchains where they can be um, more accessed, this information will become more open, and it, the the technology that's here is going to change every industry. Uh, companies are not going to be able to ignore this type of technology, this Web three technology, any more than they could have ignored Web one or Web two. You know what companies back in two thousand that thought the internet was a fad and didn't think they needed a website, they all capitulated or went out of business. And the same thing happened five ten years later when social media um, rose to prominence. You know you. Anybody who said I don't need a, I don't need a social media account, uh, they've either capitulated or they've gone out of business. And the same thing is going to happen here with Web three. Agree, could not agree more. I think this is the trend that you're seeing, which will only get grow bigger and grow deeper, and how it's involved in everyday lives. And I think that's been the biggest use case about how to make this transition from what is technology, which is just blockchain, or even NFTs, that acronym that people now also tend to stay away from. We've seen a few launches recently which are essentially NFTs, but they don't want to use the word NFTs because it comes with its own, let's say, negative connotations about, let's say, hyperinflation of prices and just you know being speculative and such. But it's moving beyond that technology actually to good use cases that can affect people's lives on an everyday basis. So on that theme, let's talk about some startups that you're either already working with or what did the kind of startups that you're most interested in uh, in this space? Like what, what themes are you most attractive to, attracted to? Absolutely. Look, we, as I said earlier, we invest in, you know, direct to consumer and entertainment and fitness. Uh, the kinds of things that we're seeing that are exciting are around the future of collectibles. Um, you know, NBA Top Shot kind of showed the world what's possible there. And I think they're going to be amazing companies that come out of this. Um, the, the way that content is changing, the way content is created, whether it's TVs, music, movies, uh, the way that that content's going to be created in partnership with fans. 
and bringing fans in there uh, in the gaming space. I think there's going to be amazing blockchain gaming companies, Web3 gaming companies that are built, giving people ownership of the assets within games. I'm super excited about the way that, uh, that this technology is being used to change betting and fantasy, give people different ways to play and ways to participate and taking it into a new level. Uh, and then lastly, I, I don't want to leave out the fitness space. We've seen some ex- interesting experimentation in move to earn or different type of token or NFT reward programs for working out. Uh, so I think there's going to be some really, really fun things. The key is bringing your fans, your customers closer to the things you love using NFTs or tokens or even um, you know crypto native companies, the DAO companies. So I think there's going to be some really amazing things. We're seeing stuff on the daily that are in these different areas. So let's stick with one of those examples that you highlighted, the fitness space. Yeah, You talked about move to earn. Now, one classic case that we saw in recent times go get really big, really quick, and then also tank pretty fast was a company called uh, Stepin. I'm I'm sure you know of them. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Based on the Solana blockchain, they had a currency, GST, I think um, something Satoshi tokens, if I'm not mistaken, I forget what the full form was. But anyway, so they they were basically giving out um, uh, tokens to people for basically walking. Right. Uh, for anybody who's not familiar with it, I don't remember the exact mechanism. I have the app on my phone, but you had to basically buy an NFT. So you had to pay to get in. But even to get access to buy an NFT, you had to get an invite code, which people were selling. It got a bit crazy for a while. Uh, but once you were in, you your NFT was constantly earning as you did basic activity, walking, running, swimming, cycling, whatever it was. Now, then GST value skyrocketed. Right. I'm going to pull up. Um, the actual value, but I know that they appreciated from like under a dollar, went up to 10 or something, and then crashed pretty quick after. So that's a little summary of the use case that I'm talking about. To get your uh, perspective, how do you, what do you say to a skeptic who says, hey, this is what is happening in this space? That companies, they fly by night operators, they pull the rug, they make their money and they disappear, right? Or is it just, hey, this is the, let's say, uh, pitfalls of the collateral damage we're dealing with with a crypto winter? Is it is it something, is it just uh, a part of a macro trend or there are actually some signs that we can look at and say, hey, these are companies not to get involved in? Look, Stepin had failed tokenomics, a failed economic model behind their token. Um, and, and, and it was very similar to the failed tokenomics that we saw in Axie Infinity in the uh, play-to-earn gaming space. If the entire token model is built on, or the entire NFT model is built on this Ponzi-nomics of new players coming in and pushing the price up, uh, then it doesn't work. And it never will work. And that's constantly the advice that I give. You might find uh, a pocket of excitement and hype that pushes your token temporarily up or your NFT prices up, but it's not going to work unless you're creating real value and real utility for the holders. Uh, And so, you know, if you look at the way that Stepin did it. You bought an NFT, you had put, you uh, loaded the app onto your phone that allowed you to track your steps and they rewarded you with tokens, but there was no inflow of cash into the token economy uh, from any 
outside parties that wanted to access that audience. The company that I think that's got a really good shot of doing it right is called Sweatcoin. Uh, Sweatcoin's been around for four years now. Uh, they had a very successful app that was not built on the blockchain that was around the same exact concept. You loaded the app, it tracked your steps, you accumulated points, um, coins, sweat coins, but they weren't blockchain-based coins. They weren't tradable. They didn't have a market price, uh, but they created a real economy around it where D2C consumer brands and subscription services were paying for the right to get in front of this very, very large audience at, at, at their peak. They had tens of millions of users. And that brings outside capital into the token economy. It's not just the people who are walking and earning the coins, but there's actual brands that are effectively coming in as advertisers to reach that huge audience. And so they, uh, Sweatcoin recently raised a, 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 a round of funding, and they're actually moving to the blockchain and creating a, a free-flowing coin, which I think will work great because there is this influx of outside cash. And that's kind of the key to getting the tokenomics correct, there needs to be an underlying bid. There needs to be a reason for people to buy these tokens and there need to be you know, true utility. There needs to be ways to use or spend the tokens in order to create a healthy economy that will be long lasting and have a consistent price appreciation to it as opposed to a speculative hype cycle, which is what happened to Step In and, and really exactly what happened to Axie Infinity. The, you gotta build these economies the right way and you have to think about the long-term supply and demand dynamics. Uh, and you have to bring in outside capital to the token economies on a consistent basis from people who want to reach that audience. And I think that's what you're going to see in this next generation. You'll see less of these hype products like Stepin and Axie and more products that are built on healthy, stable token economies. They may not have the same price appreciation in the early days, but they'll be built the right way. Exactly. I think it's the idea that, hey, don't just go in for the, the hype of, hey, jumping on a bandwagon or the FOMO of, of, of not. It's asking genuinely, does this product make sense? Or is this actually delivering value if I buy in or if I use this NFT? Like just the idea of, hey, I'm just getting free money to walk sounds wrong. Right. And if there is if it sounds wrong and at the core it doesn't have a common sense element to it, it probably doesn't actually work. As you said, Sweatcoin is a great counter to the Seppin example that I brought up because yeah, it does connect. It's a marketplace. I can see that business outside anywhere. It doesn't have and it did it wasn't born on the blockchain. It existed anyway. So you see that use case much more strong. Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com. Let's try to find another good use case. Maybe you can give me another example, either from a startup that you've invested in or that you're close to that you think does a good job of establishing that Web3 use case. And it the business could exist maybe outside of Web3, but putting it on either on-chain or incorporating it into Web3 environments really adds so much value. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, a really interesting space to watch over the next few years is going to be how sports metaverses get built within the Web3 space. You know, we've seen the enormous success of, uh, you know, video game technology like Fortnite and Roblox, where they've shown that tens of millions of people will play these games and will go in and use real cash to buy digital assets within these games, skins or other things that they can use within the games. And they've shown that that can scale to, you know, absolutely mass audience and billions of dollars in revenue. Uh, what we're seeing now within these metaverses and then specifically in the sports space is giving people the ability to actually own those assets that they're buying within the games. You know, in the case of Fortnite or Roblox, you use your credit card to buy their digital currency and you use that digital currency to buy in-game assets or skins, uh, but you can't sell them. Um, and if you choose to stop playing that game, all the money that you spent is just gone. It's lost. There's nothing you can do with it. And so, you know, using this Web3 technology to give people ownership of the assets that they purchase within the games, I think is going to be an absolute um, evolution of the market and a game changer in our investment portfolio and in our portfolio companies. You can look at uh, Green Park Sports. Green Park Sports is a mobile phone game where you have these little green av uh, minion looking avatars that you can dress up in uh, the clothes of your favorite team, the hats and the jerseys. You can go within um, parks for the NBA or La Liga or in the esports space, the League of Legends space, LCS. And you can show your fandom using digital assets that you buy on the blockchain that you own. Uh, we've seen the same thing with another portfolio company of ours called Sports Icon, which has built an entire sports metaverse all on chain where you can buy fan caves and eventually you'll be able to dress those fan caves up. Um, we're seeing things not out, outside of our portfolio with companies like Stadium Live. So I think there's going to be some really exciting things happening where uh, fans will be able to own these assets. Their assets will be carried in their own wallets as opposed to carried on a platform like Roblox or Fortnite. And you'll be able to trade those and, and earn the price appreciation from those assets. You'll be able to use them in their games. And maybe eventually they'll be interoperable. You'll be able to take them from one game to another. Um, that is um, coming at some point here uh, in the next few years. And I think it'll be great where you'll be able to buy a, a Miami Heat jersey and use it in both Green Park Sports and in Sports Icon. You buy it once and you'll be able to take it with you. So I guess that's one area of the Web3 space that's attracting a lot of capital uh, and doing some really exciting things in the sports area. I think the metaverse word that you brought up and the key aspect of that is exactly what you also said at the end, interoperability, because right now what we're seeing is a lot of kind of virtual worlds being built and launched, which are not really metaverses. It's just a virtual world. It's like a 3D room you can enter with your VR glasses or something. And yeah, there's a lot that you can do in that virtual world. But if for it to be a metaverse, it has to be connected i think by definition so i think that that direction any any startup or any company that's working in that direction is super powerful the names that you mentioned there are already well known let's say within the circle certainly green park and sports icon i can confess that i was uh, i that was one of my first mints ever the sports icon lions um that was my my early experiments in the nft space and it doesn't matter at this point in time whether those assets are multiplying like the apes and 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 the crypto punks etc it's hey that can happen 
but it doesn't have to happen, right? For you to derive enjoyment from what you're doing or derive value from what you're doing. I think that's the other important use case. As you mentioned earlier, that purely speculation will not is not sustainable, right? Any of these companies that dedicate themselves to just appreciating the token asset will not survive, right? They have to deliver utility to the end user behind it. A hundred percent. And, you know, another area that is doing where we're seeing just amazing experiments uh, is in the crypto centric companies or DAOs. Um, terrible name, decentralized autonomous organization, DAOs. It's a company that lives on the blockchain. Let's just call it that. It's a crypto centric company, uh, but just wild, wild, cool things going on in ownership of, um, of sports clubs. Wagme United runs a football, uh, European football team, uh, English. Premier League team in one of the lower leagues where they brought together fans from all over the world to jointly own and operate this team. Uh, Krause House out of the U.S. is trying is bringing together people to try to buy a minority stake in an NBA team or possibly some other teams in different leagues. Um, Knights of Degen is a community that I've been a part of since it launched. Uh, it's a group of uh, degenerative uh, sports bettors and NFT holders all around the sports space doing some super fun things, creating media properties. They launched the uh, food for, for their people to eat while, uh, while watching sports games. They've held all kinds of meetups. They own uh, part of Wagme United and a team in the fan-controlled sports league. Just wild things happening across the ecosystem. And it's it's really all about fandom. It's bringing people together in a shared fandom and a way for them to come together on the blockchain um, and uh, and own things together, own experiences together, create new experiences. Uh, and I just couldn't be more excited about these types of experiments. They're still very early. It's going to take time before these things really impact the major sports leagues, uh, but it's coming. And these these groups are showing the way. It's coming for sure. Fan control for, uh, sports league that you mentioned, FCFL. Uh, we had uh, Saurabh on the podcast, I think, a few months ago. I think just before the launch of the second season, and it was so interesting to hear about what they were doing, even way before Web three was even a thing, and how they used the Web three ideas, especially DAOs, to incorporate and elevate their offering really as you said super interesting ha stuff happening in this space all of these companies wagby united uh when they took over crawley town the first thing i thought of was because i think every sports fan has this weird dream right of owning a sports team somewhere in some league and suddenly it seems a bit more accessible is, i don't know is that a dream you share Absolutely. Well, we, you know, fan-controlled sports, uh, we that was the very first investment that we made at Beyond the Game back in February of 2019. I went to a conference up in New York, saw Saurabh Faroudi, the CEO, speak on a panel. And man, did he speak. He spoke to everyone in the room, but I felt like he was talking right to me. He talked about the famous uh, terrible play call in the Seattle Seahawks versus New England Patriots Super Bowl, right down by the goal line, instead of giving the ball to their Hall of Fame uh, running back, Marshawn Lynch. They threw a pass that got intercepted and lost the game. And every fan was screaming at the TV, telling them they made a terrible decision to hand that ball off and then uh, to not hand the ball off and instead to throw it. 
And, uh, you know, Saurabh talked about how that was the uh, the the aha moment, the, the light bulb moment for fan controlled sports to give fans the ability to kind of call the plays, to control the teams, to make the decisions. Uh, he spoke on this panel at this event that I went to in New York back in, uh, in early 2019. I grabbed him at the next coffee break and said, hey, I've got this whole big group of NFL players and we need to be involved in this. So that was the very first check we wrote. We spent a ton of time with the company. They ended up um, building the league and playing the games here in Atlanta. So I've been to almost every game over the first two seasons of fan-controlled football. I've watched their evolution. Uh, so Rob was a very early participant himself individually in the Web3 space, the owner of a, a lot of really interesting NFT projects. He saw how that technology could be used at fan-controlled football uh, and brought that into season two in really just amazing ways to give fans control of the team. They draft the players, they pick the team names, they created the logos, and they get to call the plays live in game. So it's a really wild experience. They're expanding to fan-controlled hoops, to basketball here in early next year, and uh, just couldn't be more excited for the way that they're engaging their fan base and bringing them in and giving them true ownership of what's happening across the league. Exactly. So interesting that there's so much innovation actually involving fans, and fans not just being passive observers who constantly feel like they're getting squeezed by sports teams and entities just for to buy an extra beer or buy an extra jersey or ticket or whatever but actually to feel part like they're participating in the sports moment and i think some of these companies are doing amazing work in that shout out to Saurabh once again all right brian we've covered a bunch of topics already about areas that you're excited in from fantasy and betting to d2c stuff fitness we touched on the metaverse we touched on DAOs, which are also super topical let's talk about Let's bring it back to rather your fund once again. So what's coming up for you guys? What's going to be your focus over the next few months? What do you see that lies ahead? Yeah, absolutely. We'll continue to make investments in this space for sure. Uh, like I said, it makes up about half of our portfolio now, and I would guess it's only going to rise as we move forward. Uh, we continually are looking for great founders building across entertainment, you know, sports and media and esports and gaming and gambling and fantasy and Web3 and also fitness and health and wellness. So if you're building in those spaces, we want to hear from you. We're typically investing in, um, you know, venture capital led seed and series A rounds generally um, post product launch, but you know, we can be flexible from time to time. Most of the rounds we're investing in are three to 10 million in round size with valuations from 10 to $100 million, kind of late seed to series A. We can occasionally invest earlier, but yeah, reach out on our website. There's a contact form right on there. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm uh, always open to, uh, to cold intros. We've made a number of investments off of cold intros and uh, always looking to find great founders building exciting things. Uh, we are based here in the U.S. and most of our all of our athletes are U.S. athletes, mostly former NFL players. So we all only invest in companies where the U.S. is the biggest and primary market. Um, and U.S. sports, um, if it's sports specific, uh, we will invest in companies that are domiciled outside of the United States. We've made five investments in companies in uh, Europe and and related areas. Um, so we will look at companies outside of the U.S. as long as the U.S. is the core market for your customers today. Um, not in the future, not you hope to come to the U.S. one day, but the U.S. needs to make up more than half of your customers at the time that you're asking us to invest. So that's a little bit more detail on our criteria. We're excited uh, for the space. We're continuing to invest uh, even through the, the crypto downturn and the, uh, and the slowdown in venture capital. So open for business. And, uh, and we're actually expecting to write uh, two more checks in the the next uh, two weeks here 
You can tell Brian has done this a few times. He gave a perfect little two and a half minute summary of everything the fund is doing, all the startups that they're looking out for. Man, if you're a startup, you need to be talking to these guys. Well, if you're a startup in the right space, based on the criteria that he talked about. So fantastic. Good job, Brian. Thanks for that, let's say, summation of everything that Beyond the Game is doing and is going to be bringing us excited to hear about these new checks that you're going to be writing. All right, my last question, and this is usually my favorite one, and uh, this is my favorite one to end every podcast on because, like I said, we are sports fans first. So I want to know from you what has been your favorite sporting moment, either one that you participated in as a fan, live or on TV, or maybe in even uh, as an athlete. Curious to hear. Ron, I'm an avid listener of your podcast, so I knew this question was coming. And man, I had to give some real, real thought to this one. I grew up in the uh, golden age of Miami sports down in Miami in the 1980s. This was uh, the time of Dan Marino and the ascendancy of the the crazy Miami Hurricane teams uh, of the 1980s under Jimmy Johnson, Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer on the field. Uh, But I'm going to go with something... From the next, uh, from last decade, I'm going to go with the 2013 Miami Heat Game 7 Finals win over the Spurs. I brought my then 11-year-old son down to Game 7. That was the game following Ray Allen's amazing miracle shot in Game 6. That Game 6 shot forced the Game 7 against the Spurs. LeBron James was leading the Heat. He was electric in Game 7, just was not going to let the team lose. I was there with my 11-year-old son in the uh, in the Heat Stadium. I had been to Heat games myself as a teenager. Watched the confetti fall from the Raptors, the huge trophy celebration in the stadium. Blew over to a massive party in the streets outside the game. I'm going to say my favorite sporting moment was that Miami Heat Game 7 went over the Spurs 2013. Mega. I loved asking that question for a bunch of reasons. A, just the excitement that just comes in to the voice of every speaker. I love it. Also, the moment specifically, I mean, so much drama behind it. I think the Heat had lost, was it a couple of seasons before that to the Mavs in the final? Was it the season before? I'm not sure. Yeah, two years before they won back to back. That was the back to back. But yeah, they were, you know, just it was just a a, a fun team to watch and a great moment in Miami sports history. And it was uh, so much fun for me to be able to experience it with my my son. Incredible. Those are the memories that you take home and take with you always and forever. Amazing. Good to hear, Brian. Thanks so much for sharing that one. And thanks for being on the episode. It was a great chat. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun here and uh, always love talking about Web3 and sports and always enjoy my time with you here at SportTex X. Yeah, as Brian already said, if you need to reach out to him, find him on LinkedIn or go to their website. As you can see, these are investors who are serious, who know about what's happening in the space. And I think a perfect way to kick off our month of content for Web3 and sports. Thanks so much for your time, Brian. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this episode. But stay tuned. We're going to bring you a bunch of guests talking from different perspectives. We've had an investor today. We're going to have some startups. We're going to have some ecosystem players. We're going to have some guest articles. We're going to do a bunch of content because I think it's a great way for us to bring the year home and what's been an insane year, not just for Web3 and sports, but sports tech in general, right? 2021 was a mega year. 22 has followed in a big, big way. And I think this piece of content is going to be one that we're going to do again and again. Wait for the Web3 and sports report. It'll be out at the end of October or early November date to be decided. All right, guys. See you soon. Ciao. 
Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast with Roan Maholtra. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out sportstechx.com, where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportsTechDB, at sportstechdb.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at SportsTechX on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.